Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Fangirl Podcast. Um, this is Liz coming to you from beautiful Burlington, Vermont. And I'm very excited today because we are going to do part two of our two-part series on folklore by Taylor Swift. Last time I was joined by my friend Allison. This time we have a new friend in the house podcast kind of studio, aka my apartment, Ryan. So Ryan, thank you for being here and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm stoked to be partaking in my first podcast. Yeah, I am really excited you're here. We met a few weeks ago at like a ladies meetup. And one of the things I remember you saying was, I love Taylor Swift. <laughs> I like Among to other things, that. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to just spread that out there. Like, hey, we'll be friends if. Yes. <laughs> it's a good like a uh, prereq for being friends with somebody. I'm into that. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So, um, so we're going to talk about Folklore, which is one of my favorite albums of the year. I think most people's favorite album of the year, if I may be so bold to say that. And um, I'd love to hear like what you thought of it when it first came out, first impressions. What do you think of it now after you've listened to it for a while? Like, just give me your general take on it. Uh, I mean, it's obviously so different than anything she's ever done before. Um, when it dropped, it was just kind of like a shock from Lover, which was so, you know, she's always saying like, I think it was Lover when she was like, oh, you know, people didn't receive reputation very well. So let me do better and let me do Lover. And then this was like the first time she was like, I don't care. I'm doing this. This feels organic. We're all in quarantine and the hell that is 2020. And it's such a, like a beacon of light. I feel like in 2020, it's like, this is what we all need. It's the vibe we're all feeling. It's not quite depressing. And yet at the same time, you know, exile and other songs have us questioning our own relationships and our own feelings. And it's like, I'm not depressed, but I feel like I should be just to really enjoy this song on a different level. So yeah. yeah. And it's just like a good day to day pop on now it's winter time and it's mm -hmm. like even more in fall I felt like it led me into fall through fall and now it's like oh winter time feels like the vibe for this yeah um, but also it, it could be a summer vibe you know I agree with you I think I mean I agree with you going back to what you said about reputation like reputation was her kind of angry album and I think after reputation came out she on the lover album there's a voice recording of her speaking into her phone saying like I want to be remembered for the things that I love, not the things that I hate. Right. That really stuck in my mind. Like, I think Lover was kind of her, like, post, um, you know, reputation, post angry woman era, now going into the lovey-dovey, happy, pink and purple sky era. Right. And I love that. But you're right. Now with Folklore, she didn't tell anybody about this. She made this album by herself in her bedroom at home. So she had a lot more, I think, artistic freedom with this you know folklore in a weird way now that i'm thinking about it almost feels like reputation and lover had a baby not just because it's the third album yeah. since then but it's like you know lover was great but it was a little too happy and it was like okay tay like we get it but there's gotta be <laughs> something in there that's like we, you know, we get it you're in love with a beautiful man <sighs> from england we get it god i know and it's like we'd love to see you happy but dang it like so now it's like She's in her feelings and, you know, as she said, there's some truth in this album. There's some fan fantasy or fiction, mm -hmm. but whatever it is, like, there is still some raw, you know, sadness. And it's weird that we all want the sadness, but it's kind of like, I think that's why it's, you know, so refreshing. It's, it's like cathartic, you know, mm -hmm. it's like 
this was the album that I needed to listen to to help me process and feel some feels, you know? Yeah. It's like when I was like in high school, like the Garden State soundtrack got me through like the teenaged angst I was experiencing. Right. Now folklore is getting me through like 2020. Yeah. You know? And it's like mature sadness. It's not like mm-hmm. screw mm-hmm. this. Like it's like mature. Yeah. Like I'm sad and or upset about this, but like it's fine. Like Yeah. Yeah. It's like really deep emotional connection. If that's yeah. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it's it's a really it's I think one of her like most deep and thought-provoking albums ever. Like right. this album, all the songs on it, when I first heard them, the first 5 or 10 times I heard them, I didn't quite get what they were about. Mm-hmm. Now after like hearing her talk about the album and like seeing the Disney plus documentary, it like, I have a better understanding of what the songs are about, but I still don't fully get them. Like the songs in this album are so deep and every lyric that I read, I can interpret in like two or three different ways. And it's like, just really thought provoking for me. Oh man. I've been deep diving since literally the day she released night. She released it when she did the live chat um, and gave away that there was like some kind of story trilogy, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, between, you know, then we all had to figure out which songs and it was obviously Betty, August and Cardigan. Mm-hmm. And it's like this story, but from three different perspectives and like, oh man. And like my friend and I were texting back and forth. Cause we want, we're like, what does it mean? Like, we all need to know what it means, but she like kind of threw us all off this time because not everything is exactly based on her life. It's like, Mm-hmm. a piece of her life mixed with some made up story. And so it really keeps us like, huh. You know, yeah. but then you have uh, the last great American dynasty, which is just blatantly a true story of her mm-hmm. and her Rhode Island house. And it's mm-hmm. like, but it sounds like fiction, but it's genuinely just a true story, which is crazy. Yeah. And this album is, I think it's unique because I assumed that this album would be another album about her love and heartbreak and her relationships, but there are very few songs on this album that are about, her relationships right Whereas, like every other album has been about her love life she kept joe out of it except for yeah. obviously invisible <laughs> string which again is pretty much almost a spot on like their relationship and you listen to it and you're like oh my gosh this is just so freaking cute i love that song so that's actually a great segue so i want to deep dive into this song because i love 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 this song i was just listening to it before we started recording and i love the song because it's like kind of autobiographical like I think she is describing like her courtship and relationship and even their lives before they had met each other yep song so I love how like I'm gonna read some of the lyrics here like Mm -hmm. green was the color of the grass where I used to read at Centennial Park I used to think I would meet somebody there teal was the color of your shirt when you were 16 at the yogurt shop used to work there to make a little money so she's describing both of their lives as teenagers and then she goes on to say the next verse is bad was the blood of the song in the cab on your first trip to la referencing her song bad blood right you ate at my favorite spot for dinner bold was the waitress on our three-year trip getting lunch down by the lakes she said i look like an american singer and in that verse it's she really paints this beautiful picture of him arriving in la probably on a trip to meet an agent or make a film because joe's an actor Right. And then she fast forwards three years later to their three-year anniversary trip, having lunch together. And it's so, she's so talented. 
it's yeah. full circle. And I love how she used within six verses, within six lines here, she takes you from before they had met to where they are presently celebrating their anniversary. And that is just so poetic and mm-hmm. beautiful. And it just kind of gives you little clues into like what their lives were like before they met each other. And right. uh, I think the song is beautiful because she's basically talking about all of these times that their lives, they were like living these different lives, but this one string was out there in the universe and just pulled them to each other. So it's very kind of ethereal, very magical, but also just the words are very simply written. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's, it's so simple, but it's also so beautiful and so just heartwarming at the same time funny because I saw some meme of course now I don't remember exactly but someone was like laughing at the fact when she's talking about the color of his shirt at the yogurt shop and just like oh Tay like always in the details like you know whatever research she had to do like looking that up or whatever but Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's she's always about the details as we know as fans and her easter eggs and all that stuff so it's like of course she's going to be in the details with her own relationship Mm -hmm. yeah but yeah and it's like you're listening to it and you're like is that true was he really listening to bad blood in the car but I'm sure it was true like coincidentally it came on and he probably mentioned it or that was the time period of when you know maybe bad blood would have come out even if it wasn't true Mm -hmm. and yeah and then yeah the full circle like the park how she used to dream about finding someone in that park and then they end up going to the park yeah and it's like so sweet well (sighs) it's so sweet and she's able to tell it in such a way that, and there is parts you're like, is that real? And it's funny because I'm sure it's all real. And, but it's so perfect that you're like, maybe it is fiction. And it still leaves us guessing, like, who knows mm-hmm. which parts of those are uh, fact or fiction. Yeah. I think, I mean, I like to believe that they're all facts. And I like to think that she's right. like giving us insight into her life with her boyfriend. And right. I love it. I think it's really adorable and sweet. And I love how like, within this one song she takes like two people's lives and intertwines them together and at the end of the song you know she like brings it all back full circle back to centennial park Mm -hmm. and it's like she's using like the concept of time here and the concept of like living two parallel lives but then magically coincidentally serendipitously meeting at the right place at the right time right so that is just like this being a, such a mature album, it's like, this is such a mature spot in her life and in her relationship. And like how she mentioned sending her exes or sending their baby, her ex's baby's presence is like, that was such a moment of like, oh my God. And then I'm starting to think, I'm like, who? And I was thinking like Joe Jonas is definitely one of them. He's mm-hmm. had a baby. I don't, I couldn't think of anyone else, but I believe, I don't know if Jake Gyllenhaal had a baby, but I'm sure there was someone else. Yeah. But I was like, so- wow, it's so mature. Yeah, I love that line. So when I heard that line, I actually thought of Katy Perry because in September or October of this year, Katy Perry had a little girl and Taylor sent her a hand-embroidered blanket. (laughs) This is so sweet. So obviously Katy and Taylor didn't date, but they had some, there was some bad blood there between Katy and Taylor for a while. She Um, dated her husband. No, that's a lie. She never dated Orlando Bloom. Mm-mm. Did she? No. Okay, I made I that up. So no. <laughs> but Joe Jonas is definitely one of them. And he did have a baby. So I'm I'm calling that one. Yes, I think that's that's a fair, that's a fair shout. Yeah. yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I think Taylor is, I mean, it's so kind of her to do those things. And it really does show a lot of maturity and a lot of growth on her part. So I just think that's the sweetest. Um, I love the song. I think it's just beautiful and it's so inspiring to me. And I just love how she uses time in this song as well. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. So that's, that's one of my favorites. Um, what about you? Is there another song that, that really jumps out of you on the album that we should dive into? I mean, from day one, August was, was my jam. Um, but Betty is interesting because Betty really reminds me, I don't know why, but Betty gives me like love story vibes. I think, cause again, it's this long drawn out story takes you on this journey and then by the end you know then it has the the build up and then the you know the finale and I think Betty's just such a beautiful like I don't know such a feel-good song and it kind of feels like a throwback to like her old her old music but it also just yeah Yeah. it reminds me like a grown-up like or it's still talking about a 17 year old but it reminds me of like another version of love story yeah no I think that's that's spot on I think this song is much more country than pop I think yeah. she's definitely using her country songwriting experience on this song. And this song is cool because it's not written from like a female perspective. It's written from a male perspective. Right. So, you know, like the lyrics are, Betty, I won't make assumptions about why you switched your homeroom, but I think it's because of me. Betty, one time I was riding on my skateboard when I passed your house. It's like I couldn't breathe. And it's just cool because it's like, Typically, she's always written songs from her own point of view, but here she's imagined this like 17-year-old boy. I think James is his name. Right. He's singing about this girl, Betty, who he's in love with. It's this like heartbreaking, heartbroken teenage love song. It's very country and it's way different than anything that I think she's really written in the past. Right. Because it's coming not from like a female point of view. So I think it's just, just kind of, the the backstory again about uh, what people thought originally, people thought that uh, Betty was a song about loving another woman. They wanted James to be a girl. And it's also funny because uh, Ryan Reynolds, three kids are revealed in this song, including the new, new baby who knew no one knew the name, which was Ines. Um, So I didn't know that. Yeah. So Oh my God. Uh, you know, they have a very close relationship, Tay mm-hmm. and Ryan and Blake and their newborn baby sometime this year uh, was named Inez and it was released like secretively in this song and mm-hmm. Betty and James are the other two kids names, but people all thought like, oh, James has got to be a girl and it's got a, you know, a girl and girl relationship and people were so stoked and I was like, I don't think that's what it is. I'm sorry to break to break it to you I think it I mean I guess it could be whatever you want technically but I think it was James was actually intended to be a guy but yeah I think so in the documentary she actually mentioned like she wanted to write this from a place of like a young man or boy but I didn't realize that Inez was the name of Ryan Reynolds's third kid yeah wow oh my god I know her easter eggs can go far and wide it's crazy Oh yeah there's so many deep dives you can do in her songs yeah Um, I wonder why she used Betty James and Inez in the song was that just like no yeah I guess just because they're all their kids the kids yeah Yeah. they're they're close friends and it was like how do I incorporate something that's 
I mean, I guess when you're making up a fake story, you're like, what characters should I have? Instead of some random names, of course she has significance because that's everything she does is significant. And it's like, yeah. oh, why not have my three kids, my friend's three kids, including their newborn like girl. So yeah. Oh, if only I could have a friend that like was like, oh, I'm gonna like write a beautiful song about your three kids. <laughs> no, no. Must be nice yeah. to have famous friends. They have a great relationship. Assuming you saw their new uh, Ryan Reynolds uh, love story. Uh, yep, tweet. the match commercial. <laughs> that was so funny. That's a side note, but yeah, I love their friendship so much. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, wow. Yeah, Betty is is a cool song. She performed the song at the Country Music Awards earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Looking like and- a her like natural look, I'm so into it. Like, like if you didn't want to wear flannel before and like buy cardigans and just like, I also love like now since I recently moved to Vermont, like she get folklore, obviously like she's in the woods. It gives me just strong Vermont vibes. And yes, I, totally. Really folklore came out right when I moved to Vermont in August. And I was like, oh my God, Tay made an album for my move to Vermont. And I felt like it was yeah. like, for me and like talk about like how this album relates to me like I totally forgot about that but like yeah that was the thing and I was like oh my gosh and like August Mm -hmm. anyway oh I can totally see how that that you how you could relate to that um Cardigan is or just the album Folklore in general is such a woodsy folksy like sit in a cabin light a fire and drink a mug of tea type of album Mm -hmm. I can definitely see that how that would correlate to your move to Vermont yeah. Well, thankfully, we've got some this album plus a new album to keep us company. Evermore comes out tonight. And I think we should talk about this. This is very exciting. <laughs> and I want to know, like, I know she said, like, we just couldn't stop writing. But I want to I need to know, does it feel like folklore, too? Or does it feel like something else? I, I'm praying it's like a, a more like just a different version, like if folklore had a baby. Yeah. Because as much as I love folklore and I'm down for it to be the same, I, I'm craving like, okay, what else? Like, yeah, this got us through fall and winter. What will the next album get us through? Like, so I think Evermore, I'm going to read what she posted on Instagram today, but Evermore is, I think, going to be a companion to folklore. So today mm-hmm. she posted, I'm elated to, elated to tell you that my ninth studio album and folklore's sister record will be out tonight at midnight Eastern. It's called Evermore. To put it plainly, we couldn't, we just couldn't stop writing songs. Try and put it more poetically, it feels like we were standing on the edge of the folklorian woods and had a choice to turn and go back or to travel further into the forest of this music. We chose to wander deeper in. I love that. Right. Yeah. So she continues to say, I've never done this before. In the past, I've always treated albums as one-off eras moved on to planning the next one after an album was released there was something different with folklore in making it i felt less like i was departing and more like i was returning i love the escapism i found in these imaginary slash not imaginary tales i love the ways you welcome the dreamscapes dreamscapes and tragedies and epic tales of love lost and found into your lives so i just kept writing them we stand escapism <laughs> i like so stand i feel cottage like- core going deeper into the woods makes me think it's like a little bit more whereas turning back and going back into the woods would feel like we're going back into folklore vibe so I'm hoping like we're going deeper into the woods like mm-hmm. she's stretching like you know so I mean it's got to be different in a way but you know similar so 
I wonder if, so I'm sure there will be new songs and new themes, but I wonder if she's going to continue the trilogy of Betty and James and Cardigan in August. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that will continue. They were 17. Are they older now? Who knows? Maybe. Huh. Yeah, I think it's going to be more more of I don't want to say more of the same because it's not more of the same but it's going to be right. more of similar material is that Bon Iver again like mm. oh, another duet like I can't uh, they're uh, uh yeah Bon Iver is incredible Harmonize very well together absolutely so well. he is incredible yeah. um so yeah so Bon Iver is on the new Evermore album as is I guess Aaron Dessner of the Nationals going to continue to continue yeah. to produce jack antonoff i think they have a song in- together the national finally like they're going beyond producing and actually do uh collab yeah. together yes yeah so i'm pretty excited about that too i was never a huge fan of the national but i think now i'm going to like them even more i'm going to dive into the national even more um there's also a song on the album with the band haim who yes. i love those girls are yep. amazing i've seen them perform live and i know they're actually friends with taylor swift that's so that's a stellar song, song excited about that one um so before we get too into evermore let's talk about some of the other songs on folklore so one of the songs that i heard and at first i didn't like it at all was my tears ricochet Mm. that's a really unique different song and for the after the first 10 or so times i heard it i still didn't quite understand what it was about oh i can help you Yes, please help me. <laughs> I know too much. That's why we're here. Plus, <laughs> and I know too much. Okay, um, tell me what you got. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so Tears Ricochet, obviously it's it's very like low and you're like, all right, but then the bridge is my favorite. Obviously when it, it builds, that's my mm-hmm. favorite part about uh, half of what Tay does. Um, so it's about uh, Scooter Braun. Really? Okay. So the bridge... Uh, when it's talking about, um, of course, no, I don't have it, the lyrics up, but they're talking about, you'll hear, like. I can um, read them to you. Should yeah, I read, read it? Read me I'll the read bridge. The, um, the bridge, okay. Um, the bridge is, um, I'll read the chorus first. I didn't have it in myself to go with grace because when I'd fight, you used to tell me I was brave. And if I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake? Cursing my name, wishing I stayed. Look at how my tears ricochet. And the bridge is, and I can go anywhere I want, anywhere I want, just not home. And you can aim for my heart, go for blood, but you would still miss me in your bones. And I still talk to you when I'm screaming at the sky. And when you can't sleep at night, you hear my stolen lullabies. So this is about Scooter buying her music. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's basically about, you know, I guess like their relationship before and you know, how like, yeah, when she's like standing up for herself, like he doesn't like it and how like he just can't let it go. And then obviously stolen lullabies is her stolen music. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the whole thing. At first I was like, who wronged her? Blah, blah, blah. Like what man was this? And then I like listened again and I was, and so when she's saying I can go anywhere, I can't go home. She can't go home because to her like original music, to her original like label, all that stuff, like she's on her own now on a new journey and it's yeah. like but I love the symbolism and it's so like low-key mm-hmm. and like saying like why are you at the wake like 
Yeah. You know, why can't he just like leave her alone, let her go? Yeah. When she says like he wears or you wear the jewels to bury me or whatever. And it's like the jewels being again, her albums. And it's like, it's all Scooter Braun. Yeah. This. Okay. So that makes a lot more sense now. And in this song, there's a lot of like very dark, morbid death kind of right symbols here like the second line is weeping in a sunlit room if i'm on fire you'll be made of ashes too um you know swear i love you till my dying day um if i'm dead to you why are you at the wake cursing my name wishing i'd stayed look at how my tears ricochet you know she then talks about we gather stones you know i didn't want to have to haunt you but what a ghostly scene you are the same jewels that I gave you as you bury me. A lot of like death and dying symbolism right. here and really just kind of morbid. Um, it kind of reminds me of the old, like the whole, like, look what you made me do. Like the old Taylor's dead. Like, even though she doesn't own reputation, sadly, but I feel like it's just literally just part of the new birth of the new Taylor. Like, you know, ever mm-hmm. since the last two albums, like, she's on her own she's paving her own way she owns all of her own stuff and so I feel like it's very symbolic like death because she that those albums are dead to her and they no longer belong to her and that's why she's re-recording everything is because yeah. it's the only way she can get it back mm-hmm. and like the, the screaming at the sky and like how he still hears her stolen lullabies and it's mm-hmm. like ugh. yeah 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 that's really again like she's so poetic and she's so good at like creating these allegories to what's happening in her real personal life right I think Scooter Braun is obviously a jerk and you know when she was talking in the documentary about the the meaning behind the song she was saying like there are some people who know they know you so well that they know exactly what buttons to push to make you hurt really really bad yeah and this song I think is describing that it's like look at how my tears ricochet it's like I was crying because it's something that you did. You hurt me. You knew exactly what to do or what to say to hurt me even more. And now my tears are ricocheting off of you back onto me. It's, it's hard to describe, but I think she's trying to get at, you know, like her tears and her anger is still upsetting this other person, Scooter Braun probably. And it's still affecting her and it's still affecting Scooter Braun. So it's like nothing's really been resolved here. They're just both kind of living in this like sad, angry, kind of tense relationship. Um, Sounds awful. He owns her stuff, but like what's it worth, you know? And like it's clearly a decision he probably doesn't sit well with, but he's making so much money that he's like, oh, well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, maybe – I mean, maybe Scooter Braun doesn't care that he hurt Taylor Swift and that maybe he's just happy making his money and maybe he sleeps yeah. soundly at night. We'll never know. But <laughs> no. Taylor is still coming after him. So good for No, her. and then the, the recent thing where she posted about how this other company bought her music from Scooter and was giving her the chance to buy it back. Mm-hmm. That whole tweet, yeah, the whole message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, you know, why am I like, but sadly, if she buys it back, like he, it's still connected to Scooter. Like Scooter still has a hand in it, even though this new company bought her music. And it's like, mm-hmm. he needs to be cut free or else, you know, my dream is that Joe 
will come out of the woodworks and like buy her music bag full in and be like, here you go, babe. I bought yeah. all your music for you. It cost me a lifetime's fortune, but I did it for yeah, you. Yeah, that would Imagine. be incredible. You know. It's also pretty insane to me that she has to buy the music that she created herself. Oh, I know. That to me is in, must be infuriating for her because she yeah. wrote all these songs when she was a kid. She performed right. the songs. I mean, the fact that she has to like pay for her own her own work is really ridiculous. The risk of so many artists. I mean, obviously the whole Kesha debacle of like mm-hmm. her not being able to sing for years because she was locked down by this, you know, this guy. It's like, it's scary to be put in those positions. But when you want to become famous, you kind of just sign your life away. And then this yeah. stuff happens and you're like, oh, if only I knew then. Yeah. But, and I mean, to be fair, like when she was signing contracts for like Big Machine Records, she was 15. Right. I mean, she probably had lawyers, but no one could have foreseen how big she was going to get. Right. And, you know, she probably just didn't have great legal advice at the time. So how would she have known what to do? Yeah. So it's sad, but I'm glad that she is broken free of Scooter Bra now. She's making her own record. She owns her own music. She's Mm -hmm. re-recording her old stuff. It's a win-win for all of us. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it really is. The adult version of Red, let's go. Oh, that would be, oh, I love Red. That's a great album. I love 1989 so much. Oh. So good. good. Yeah. Re-recording Reputation, like what does that even look like? Ugh, so much work, but. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I don't, I like Reputation. Not my favorite album, but oh. what if she did like an acoustic version of Reputation? That would be kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, Reputation is my favorite. It's really, really? My, yeah, it's so, the vocals are, everything's just so big about the mm-hmm. album. It's like big, it's punchy. It's very like, I mean, that's when she first, you know, dropped her, like uh, the song, um, with the the crazy vocals and you were like is that taylor singing that and it was like oh yes um i did don't blame me she had like that 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 break where the vocals just like hit and all of a sudden you're like dang Mm -hmm. like taylor can sing and i think that was her like vocal maturity and ever since Mm -hmm. then she's just like casually dropping like you know crazy notes and stuff and like yes that she never used to take which is really fun to see her be more yeah totally agree with that i love the song don't blame me i love that song so much and you're right on that song she's really belting and she's singing in a much higher register she's hitting a lot of higher notes she's mm-hmm. definitely not afraid to show off her vocal skill on that right. and that album was really i think designed to be performed in a stadium it's a right. big oh, yeah. a big sound you know yeah. um yeah reputation was definitely a departure for her it was not her most commercially popular album though i know like, she got Great. very few i think she got one grammy nomination for the album whereas yeah. every other album she gets like seven or eight nominations i know it didn't perform that well for her that was the birth of lover because of it she was like well how about this and yeah like, oh. <laughs> she's like well oh, i'm yeah. just gonna make a better record next time <laughs> i know i went to the reputation uh tour and it was stellar so mm-hmm. yeah definitely great performance for sure yeah she and I love how she is like the themes of each album, like reputation was snakes and no. you know, green and red and black, and lover is pink and purple and hearts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love it. And there's folklore, and it's like, I'm gonna go camping. 
Yeah. yeah. I don't even like camping, but I'm going to go camping. I'm going to listen to this. I'm going to wear like the <laughs> best flannel and I'm going to wear my hair natural. I'm just going to look freaking cute and wear minimal makeup. Like yes. again, it's such a quarantine vibe. Like it really is. Yeah. It's straight up cottage core. We should discuss cottage core for a second. Like what does cottage core mean to you? <laughs> what is cottage core? I've never heard that. Oh, you've never heard of it. Oh, okay. So oh. cottage core is this like internet rabbit hole and okay. Cottage core is kind of like shown up on Instagram a lot. It's, and you'll see it like the hashtag cottage core along with a picture of like a minimalist snowy cabin in Scandinavia. Mm. Like you'll see the hashtag cottage core with like a photo of like daisies and like flowering fields. Cottage core is kind of meant to be like, um, you know, like the, the Danish term haiga means like a simplistic okay calm minimalistic life okay if cottage core was a brand it'd be like a minimalist ikea okay (laughs) yeah it's taking over pinterest boards and instagram hashtags and a lot of people are saying this album is cottage core because it's very oxy cabin in the woods rainy day drinking a cup of tea kind of album i mean cardigan the video was literally like you're describing freaking yeah. cottage core in a, in a cabin with like nothing in there and it was like and like the video that's coming out tonight forevermore looks like more cottage core like you see previews mm. and you're like oh what is this she's out again in the fields and like she's in another cabin the disney plus thing was in a cabin like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. For sure. very like hansel and gretel yeah maybe just Gretel and no Hansel but anyway but she makes it less scary because to me like I always see the houses that are alone in the woods and I'm like nope all yep. set on that <laughs> that is not what I aspire to go live in but like she makes it seem like so beautiful and like picturesque and like come just you know just you and me in in this cabin alone and mm-hmm. deep in the woods and like you know she really has made this album out to be like a fairy tale Mm-hmm. and the way she's singing the songs like and the lyrics and the melodies are very um earthy and very organic and very dreamy mm. yeah so yeah, definite definite cottage core let's talk about another song let's talk about the song you choose what other songs do you like from the album all right well I can talk, okay, well, I could be a Debbie Downer and talk about a song that I don't like. There's yeah. only, there's oh, two songs on this album that I don't like. Okay, which ones? So, one, Epiphany. Because it's I knew you were going to say that. Damn <laughs> sad. It's too, it's too real, Taylor. No one wants to talk about the hospitals and the doctors and, like, mm-hmm. ugh, like it's too real. And, like, I feel like a lot of, I feel like the people who do like this song, because my other friend also doesn't like this song, it's, it's the automatic every I don't even really know half the song because I mm-hmm. never listened to it yeah I feel like the people who appreciate it the most are essential workers or like mm-hmm. people in the hospitals like they listen to this and this is their like I'm gonna go home and cry now Taylor is really moving this for me which is great for them but I feel like someone like me obviously not an essential worker I'm like this is too sad it reminds yeah. me of uh, I don't remember the name but from the lover album the one about her sick mom which again mm-hmm. I was like Taylor this is too much like, yeah models yeah. and too much I agree with everything you just said on the lover album that song you're referring to is called uh, soon you'll get better yes 
And I've Too listened much. to it maybe twice in its entirety. And I can't listen to it because it makes me cry every time. It's really yeah. sad. Like if uh, someone was dying in your life, you'd be like, I think I'm going to pop this on, even though I know I'm going to feel too many feelings but it's other triggered. than that like yeah. i'm no it's ooh. and she even said like mm-hmm. that is a song i don't think i'll ever perform because i don't think i could do it without crying and she performed it oh she ended up performing it now i can't remember when but i was so like it was with her. earlier this year she did a performance for a covid related um tv special the npr it was, it was um it was hosted by lady gaga it was, I think, the One World COVID relief response film okay. or doc- yeah. show. And Taylor performed that song. It was like a very homemade video. She's like in a t-shirt You're at her right. piano. I remember she now, yeah. So you'll get better. This was back right. in March. You're right. I yeah. remember that, yeah, because it was all like virtual videos of like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I feel like she did it then because she's technically not in a, in a live, like I guess it was live, but I have a feeling it was shot and then submitted. I don't know. Maybe it was live. Either way, it was just her. And, yeah. You know, so I feel like that's why. But when she did, I was like, "Oh wow!" I thought she wasn't gonna go there, but okay. Um, but yeah, yeah Epiphany yeah, is like the it's too real, and mm-hmm. yeah. And the other song would be Mirrorball. Mm-hmm. Like I like the symbolism and I appreciate it and I get it. Like I I like I relate to the lyric when she's saying like, uh, basically like she wants like I'm assuming Joe to keep looking at her like she wants to be this beautiful thing and she wants him to look at her and like whatever mm-hmm. but I don't know there's something about it I'm like it kind yeah. of falls flat for me and I'm like yeah I, I agree these are probably my two least favorite songs um Epiphany is sad because she's singing partially about her grandfather's service in the war when mm-hmm. he was at uh, Guadalcanal and he saw the worst of the worst in the war and couldn't really ever speak about that after his time and time during when he was serving abroad. Mm-hmm. And she's making that correlation between medical workers nowadays. Like right. medical workers nowadays are probably seeing the worst that they will ever see maybe in their careers. Right. And she's making these correlations between like wartime service and hospitals in 2020, which is really heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that song is really sad. I think it really speaks to what we're going through nowadays. And I like 10 years from now, I'm going to hear that song and it's going to bring me back to March 13th, 2020, when I'm sitting in my apartment in Boston hearing sirens all around me because COVID has just hit the city. Right. And um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking. It's really, yeah. really sad. Yeah, I feel like I have no backbone because I'm like, I can't listen to this. And like, Taylor, you're putting <laughs> me down too much. Like breakups and that stuff, easy. But like death, too much, Taylor. Oh, yeah. She really knows how to like, she really has her finger on the pulse with these songs. <laughs> I imagine like when she's creating those songs, like she's just like, she's just drunk one night and she's in her feelings and she's like, actually, like this needs to come out and whatever. And it's like, damn, Taylor, like shit's deep. Like that's yeah. what you're talking about. Like, whew. It's really deep. It's really, oh, it's hard. But yeah. Mirabal is, Mirabal doesn't make me feel quite as sad, but it's no. a very like melancholy song. Um, yeah. So she said she wrote this right after she had heard that all of her concerts were canceled for the summer. And she was really kind of bummed about that. And the lyrics are, I want you to know I'm a Mirabal. I'll show you every version of yourself tonight. I'll get you out on the floor, shimmering, beautiful, 
And when I break, it's in a million pieces. So I think she's trying to like put herself where she is not put herself in this place, but um, she's talking about a disco ball and she's yeah. talking about how like the disco ball is there to like engage and entertain people. I'll get you out on the floor. You'll look shimmering and beautiful. But when I break, it's in a million pieces. So it seems like she's like trying to console herself a little bit because she won't be performing on stage anytime soon. But people still expect her to entertain them. But she is also breaking down as well. There's a lot of things going on here. That's fascinating. I never thought of it that way. Here I am thinking of it as like, like that makes so much sense. Like you just described pretty much going to her concert, like yeah, which yeah. I've been to and like, yeah, you're going through these emotions of her songs. You're feeling some kind of way. Like you're seeing all the different aspects of her and yourself during those two hours of her concert. But here I am listening to it being like, this is her song to Joe. Like just kind of some like sexual innuendos and like, yeah, I don't know, but it's funny like where your head goes with her music, you know? Yeah. But that is the great thing about this album. Every song in my opinion, has multiple meetings. So right. that's what you glean from this song. That's what I'm thinking about as I read the lyrics. Like you can interpret this in so many different ways. And that to me is the mark of a really great artist because if you look at a Picasso painting, 10 different people can feel and interpret it 10 different ways. It's the same with these songs on this album. Right. Multiple meanings. There's a ton of layers to uncover that's why I love talking about this stuff because there's so much to uncover here. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's so what she great. loves is like, and that's why sometimes like, I don't like want to know like the true, true meaning behind every song because then now all of a sudden what I imagine is gone. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit of both. It's that fine line of like, I need to know what is this song? Who is the song about? Blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah, it's also fun when you don't know and you're like, like, again, I thought that song was like, some song about like trying to keep Joe entertained and trying to keep him like looking at her when there's so many other shiny things to look at in the world. Yeah. And, like, you know, but mm -hmm. again, the way you described it makes so much sense as well. Like, oh yeah, like she's an artist. We're all looking at her. Mm -hmm. She's a shiny thing we all can't keep our eyes off of. And it's like, huh. Yeah. Fascinating. But your description also makes a lot of sense. I mean, yeah. this song could be about somebody who is in a relationship with someone and maybe not feeling as shiny and as glittery as they do now as to when they, when they first started dating. Right. I mean, this song could be about someone who feels like they're vying for attention with someone else. Um, yeah. There's so many ways you can look at the song and I, I love it. Um, one of the other verses is towards the end of the song, uh, the verses and they called off the circus, burned the disco down when they sent home the horses and all the rodeo clowns. I'm still on that tightrope. I'm still trying everything to get you laughing at me. I'm still a believer, but I don't know why. I've never been a natural. All I do is try, try, try. I'm still on that trapeze. I'm still trying everything to keep you looking at me. So that- Bring in folklore. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> like, hey guys- Still here, um, still writing music. Mm -hmm. I know, you know, all of, because I had tickets to go see her in July. Mm -hmm. So like, I'm a victim of the Taylor <laughs> Swift quarantine cancellations. And so, yeah, the folklore came out right after I would have gone and seen her. So it's like, yeah, she's still very much like 
-hmm. even in quarantine or COVID where no one would fault her for doing nothing or whatnot. But it's like, she's like, Hey guys, how about this? Like I've had all this free time and for once I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to give you this music. Mm -hmm. And, but it turned out that everyone, it was so well received. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that's the best part about folklore and maybe why she ventured into Evermore, which she mentioned like, Hey guys, you received this well how about I give you some more? And I feel like it's become almost a competition at this point between artists. So many artists have released new music since Mm -hmm. March. And now it's like, if you haven't released music, what are you even doing right now? Yeah. (laughs) Like it's competition. She's like, Hey, I released two albums. Yeah. Take that. I think a lot of people nowadays are going to trying to keep up with her. I mean, she is two albums above everybody else this year. Um, It makes me feel like, like, what have I been doing all quarantine? Like yeah. I like perfected my banana bread recipe. Mm. The Taylor Swift put out two great albums this year. <laughs> <I> no, <know. laughs> makes it feel yeah. a little bit unproductive, but that's okay. You know, and what there's a, a weird selfish part of me. Cause we're the same age. Like I'm 30. I turned 31 in March. She's like three months older than me. And there's a selfish part. That's like, you know, she's talking about another transition for song. She's talking about giving Joe babies mm-hmm. in the song peace. And I'm like, whoa, 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 Taylor. Like, and I'm yeah. worried selfishly yeah. that when she gets pregnant and, or when she has a child, that's when we're not going to see her for a while because she's going to be like, this is my priority. Mm-hmm. This is what I want, blah, blah, blah. And so like, selfishly, I'm like, well, hopefully that's a few years away. Mm-hmm. Like you're not even engaged yet. Like you're taking this slow. Obviously right now is not the time to get engaged because obviously the world sucks. Mm-hmm. But selfishly, I'm like, will she keep making music? And how will think, she continue to outdo herself? Honestly, yeah. I think when she has kids, that will be, if and when she has kids, that will be even more creativity for her to use to channel into new songs. Oh, yeah. But I then it's like, how do you balance between not having music where it's all about children when the rest of us are like, we don't have kids. This is weird. We don't relate. <laughs> that's what Katy Perry's done. I feel like a lot of her yeah. new music is like about her new love her child mm-hmm. so it's like it'll be interesting to see how she balances like I feel like that's the scale that she does right like she's happy Taylor but she still keeps us entertained and then we're not like bored with her happiness she finds new yeah. ways to use this creativity yeah yeah and I think I think she will I think just writing music and being creative it's in her blood like if she has kids, if she doesn't have kids, she's going to keep doing this the rest of her life. And I think she is a prolific artist because she cares so deeply about what she produces. Mm-hmm. To her, this is, I mean, writing music and singing and performing is how she expresses herself. You know, mm-hmm. if I express myself by talking and seeing my friends and family and like that's how those are the things that make me feel better. I think yeah. writing music for her makes her feel better. Right. So. I think she's going to keep writing music, even if she has kids or doesn't. But I think we've got, knock on wood, a lot more Swifty music in the pipeline. <laughs> right. And I hope that this, these two albums, if they've shown her anything, it's that look like this was from the heart and look how well received it was. And like the pressure I'm ho- I hope is like a little bit taken off because I know she has so much pressure every time she comes out with an album, like, will it be better? How will it be received? And it's like, she took folklore and was just like, here you go. And now look, we get another album because we all like, we gave her the response she wanted and yeah. it's like, yeah. kudos to us. So <laughs> so maybe it's on us as fans to like support her 
and clap and like like everything she does on Instagram. And then maybe she'll reward us with new music. I know. We just want her to keep giving us music. We don't even care. I mean, come on. Like (laughs) you can do nothing wrong. I'm the most biased Swifty at this point in my life. She can do nothing wrong. (laughs) And I always go through this whole thing where I'll listen to a song and I'm like, eh, it's, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I listen again and again, and all of a sudden I'm obsessed. It's Mm -hmm. like clockwork. So I know tonight I'm going to listen to Evermore and I'm going to be like, huh. Mm -hmm. Like I listened to Folklore and I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't get it. Like coming off Lover, this is so left field. And then give me a few days and I'm like, oh my God, I'm obsessed. Yeah. We're going to play this on every road trip and (laughs) here's my favorite songs. And yeah. Yeah. I had a similar reaction to Folklore. I didn't love it at first. I was like, yeah, this is nice. Like, this is like nice, peaceful, chill out music. But now I just like go to it all the time on Spotify. And it's a great mm-hmm. background soundtrack. It's an album that you can have on doing lots of different things. You don't have to sit there and listen intently to it. It's just great, beautiful background music, you know? Yeah. My Spotify wrapped was just released. And spoiler, uh, all of my songs were from folklore. <laughs> and I was like, it's been a long year. I've listened to many things, but clearly not as much as folklore. Yeah. And I was like, I'm already trending on Evermore and it hasn't even come out. And I already just know <laughs> next year is going to be like, that's my Spotify rap. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think Taylor was in my top five for Spotify rap this year. Um, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, and the cast of Hamilton. Let's <laughs> mm-hmm. do a lot of pop favorite. music this year. Yeah, it was great. Um, so yeah, so what other songs should we talk about we've got a couple left we got um you want to talk about cardigan because that's a great one it is great that's a song again like the music video dropped and i was like i don't okay taylor mm-hmm. what are you doing what what is this and i was very th- like I, you know music videos coming out tonight for one of her songs and i know i'm gonna feel the same way mm-hmm. but i at least feel like i'm prepared now i'm like all right i'm in the folklore vibe what else yeah. Yeah. Cardigan. So my favorite lyric from Cardigan is the, or no, that's from Betty, but it's the connection because Cardigan's part of the trilogy. So to mm-hmm. speak, uh, the lyric and Betty standing in, in my, standing in my car cardigan kissing in your car again. Mm-hmm. And I love the like tie, like, you know, tied to the song cardigan. And yeah. if anyone ever wanted to buy cardigans, it was after the song cardigan came out. And yeah. I was like, how many do I have in the closet? Because all <laughs> I do is wear them and wear comfy big sweaters. Yeah. Yeah. I love this song because I love the melody. I love the I knew you. It's just so romantic and poetic and just so lovely. And the the melody on this song to me sounds like when you're first in love with somebody, mm-hmm. it's very new romance. And it's very much like the melody here kind of reminds me of that honeymoon phase that you're in when you first start dating somebody. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she's kind of describing that in the song as well. She's like, you know, when I felt like I was an old cardigan under someone's bed, you put me on and said I was your favorite. That is like something that you'd say to somebody when you first start dating someone. Yeah. You know, it's so sad. I feel like someone's old cardigan. It's like, yeah. <laughs> but she, when she's in this new relationship, it's like she felt crappy, but she found somebody who made her feel new again. Right. And that to me is really, I think, it's a really nice way to describe a new relationship or any relationship, really. And so Cardigan is being part of the trilogy. It's the perspective of the side piece or the mistress. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and then she has the, the lyric of like, say like, nope, that's Betty again. I really crossed them all. Um, <laughs> great cardigans, the mistress one. Um, are you thinking of the lyric, a friend to all is a friend to none chase two girls, lose the one when you are young, they assume, you know, nothing. I think I was thinking of the Betty one. Um, cause you weren't mine to lose. Mm, that yeah that's betty yeah that's betty yeah so you think the song is about a side piece i think wait so now we need to connect so there's <laughs> august betty and cardigan those yep. are the connections they're all from betty's from james's perspective as you mm-hmm. said um talking about the two women and then cardigan and august are about the women august oh august is about the side piece cardigan's about the girlfriend Mm, okay girlfriend's perspective so this is a girlfriend singing to james yes oh okay gotcha yeah Yeah. gotcha yeah their relationship and then august is about um the wine and someone going back to school in the fall yeah like you know it was a great summer romance but it's over and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah the actual relationship yeah yeah, it's hard to keep track of all of the tr- all of the characters. There's a lot of characters right. in this um, yeah. album. This album could be like the basis for a musical or a play because there are like very yeah. de- well-defined characters in each song here. Um, yeah, Cardigan, I think, is a really sweet song. I love the line, um, I knew you, your heartbeat on the high line once in 20 lifetimes. She's talking about the high line in New York City. Right. And um, the line once in 20 lifetimes, it feels like she's describing someone who like, it's like that once in a lifetime love. Mm-hmm. And being in New York City, she lives in New York City, of course. And New York to me is like the most romantic city in the world. Sorry, Paris, but I think it's New York. And <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think she really just describes like, a fun kind of sneaky relationship here in this song but it's also like it's kind of like a breakup song as well because Mm -hmm. she's talking about this great love and because again it goes back to the fact that James is you know messing around with someone else and like she clearly knows that and it's like she's talking about this beautiful romance and then um saying like you know now I'm bleeding because I knew you and here's all of our history and like how great you were Peter losing Wendy, like mm. leaving like a father running like that part. I was like, Ooh. yeah. And you know, and it's like, I love how she ties it up with like, when you're young, they assume, you know, nothing saying like, I mean, I get it. Like they're 17, you know, I remember being that age and my parents, you know, just assuming like, oh, your romance is nothing. Like, what do you know about love? And yeah, I love that she keeps drawing attention to that because she knows when she was that age or whatever, that you know, her love was real. Everyone's love is real. It doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Even if it's a blip on the radar, it's like, you know. You know, now that we talk about this, I totally see this song in a totally different light. Like the first part of the song, I'm like, oh, it's a lovely brand new relationship. They're so in love and New York City and romance and lovey-dovey. And then towards the end, yeah, you, I'm reading the lyrics now. You can see that mm-hmm. it goes downhill quick. Yeah. You drew stars around my scars, but now I'm bleeding. Yeah. I knew you stepping on the last train, marked me like a blood stain. I knew you tried to change the ending. 
Peter losing Wendy. I knew you leaving like a father running like water. Ugh, that is a heartbreak right there. And then so tying in, now that I have the the lyrics, Betty uh, talking about again, this is again the perspective of James. And he mentions again, I'm only 17. I don't know anything. And again, I love the little lyrics that tie in all the different pieces. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I think Betty is the girl in Cardigan. Mm -hmm. So hard to keep up. It's really hard to. So hard to keep up. I only know that because that's the song where he mentions standing in your cardigan, kissing in my car again. Mm-hmm. And so Inez is the side shit or the girlfriend, girlfriend who comes. Mm-hmm. So maybe cardigan is the side piece. I think James and Betty wound up together. No, I'm sorry. It didn't wind up together. James and Inez wound up together. Right. But Betty was the one that got away. Right. And Betty's the one whose perspective is talked about in Cardigan. Yes. The tie. Yeah. Maybe Cardigan is, is Betty singing about James. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. We, we figured it out. (laughs) I like knew this, but it's, I like get tied up. And then, so then August, Mm -hmm. now I'm going to the August lyrics. Yep. I mean, August is just so dreamy. You like forget who it even involves because I just want to like now that I live near the lake as well I I just Mm -hmm. like oh it's just really feel carried away by August August to me reminds me of like riding a bike on a sunny day that's what it is yeah wine wine and like the satchel oh so August is when she's saying August sipped away like a bottle of wine because you were never mine you were never mine Mm -hmm. so so is, breaking do, you, hearts. do you think Betty is singing August as well? Maybe Betty it's is possible. talking about their month of August together. And then yeah. James went away to school in September. I never thought of that. I what always if there's a song. Did. What if there's a song called September on the new album and she wait, finishes the story? <laughs> wait, I think there is a song called September. Stop. Oh Hold on. No, is no. there? Oh man, oh, this is a prediction. <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. No, I think you're correct. No way. I haven't even looked at the new album track list yet. There's not. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. God. I'm sorry. I carried okay. away. Right. But there is a song called Tis the Damn Season. So maybe that's that going to be a Christmas bop. I don't know. Maybe song. Not. Maybe not. <laughs> but anyway, no, that's so interesting that you say that. But I swore that she said the three songs were from three different perspectives. Mm-hmm. That's the only confusion where yeah. I don't think they're from the same. August is the girl who clearly had a fling with James. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Car- Cardigan's from the perspective of the girl who was his actual girlfriend and was saying like, our relationship was great, blah, blah, blah. And then you ruined it. Um, when Betty is James singing about Betty, mm-hmm. who's clearly the girl he's the most in love with, which is the side chicks. And that's when he mentions like Inez comes, you know, picks up, says get in the car. And all the while he's like over here, like dreaming about Betty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sucks for both of them, obviously. I mean, they're both in love with him and, mm-hmm. you know. It's a lot of heartbreak so. here. I've also read that um, in interviews um, when Taylor is singing August, she's actually been calling the character in August, 
Augustine or Augustina. Oh. Or Augusta. I'm sorry, Augusta. So I wonder if August is not a month, but maybe August is a person. Like August, the person oh. slipped away into a moment in time. It was never mine. Whoa. I'm wondering if August is maybe another character. Right. But then in that case, it's like, does that mean it's not part? Because the rumor was too that Illicit Affairs mm-hmm. was part of the trilogy, which that song is fascinating because mm-hmm. like, hey, any, of the, any of the rumors about her and um, Carly Kloss, mm-hmm. you heard that whole, like there's literally oh, a website yes. dedicated to their relationship. People really want Carly and Taylor to be a thing and say that they have this secret relationship and that Illicit Affairs was about her secret relationship with Carly. And it's funny because when you listen to the song, you're like, your head just goes there if that's the narrative you're telling yourself. There's also a theory that Taylor wrote the song Dress about Carly Kloss. Oh. Only about the stress you could take it off. Fascinating. Um, Yeah. So that song you can go back and listen to and think, yeah, this is definitely a song about Carly Kloss. It talks about, you know, the lyrics are, um, my hands are shaken from holding back, you know, in a, our faces in a crowded room. They've got no idea about me and you. So a lot of people think the song Dress is about Carly Kloss. And I could see how the song Illicit Affairs could be presumed to be about Carly Kloss or maybe another person that Taylor was dating and didn't want to tell anyone about. Right. Um, Which is pretty much her and Joe's relationship, right? Mm-hmm. She was dating, um, now his name's debating me, the British guy, uh, Tom Huddleston. Yeah. And like, then he, she met, you know, there's a lot of like, I mean, getaway car, you know, was this another song where it was like talking about the two relationships blending and she's always with a guy and then meets another guy. And there's so many songs that like reveal that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, it's very interesting. Yeah. Illicit Affairs is such a, it's it's hauntingly beautiful um and she's really doing a very good job of describing an affair here yeah one of my favorite lyrics is yeah it's um leave the perfume on the shelf that you picked out just for him so you leave no trace behind like you don't even exist take the words for what they are a dwindling mercurial high a drug that only worked the first few hundred times and that is damn like if you've not that I've had an affair, but like, <laughs> I think she describes it very well here or not even maybe an affair, but just a very like secretive relationship. It could be about her and Joe because for a long time she was very private about that. Right. Still is. Right. There's the lyric about, um, going on a run. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell your friends you're out for a run. Yeah. You'll be flushed when you return. Right. Ooh, that's cheeky. I know. <laughs> so like, yeah, it could be about Joe. Like she's with her friend, she's dating Tom or whoever, and like they don't know. And yeah. Mm-hmm. But she also sounds so I think the craziest part about that song is again the bridge where mm-hmm. she's clearly like she's angry with this person. And it's like that's where I don't think it's about Joe because like she's mad that this person who she's having an affair with is making her feel this type of way. And she's like, don't call me kid. Don't call me baby. Look at this idiotic fool that you made me. You taught me a secret language. I can't speak with anyone else. And you know, damn well for you, I'd ruin myself a million little times. And it's like, mm-hmm. who is she talking about? And it's like, that's where it's like, it's not Joe. She got Joe and Joe's not playing these games. Mm-hmm. So 
the curly claws thing I think is crazy and you know they were best friends and they had a weird falling out and that's why everyone thinks like what happened to them like why yeah you know and now she's pregnant um clearly moving on with her life but yeah yeah this could be about Carly yeah or maybe another person that she was interested in or maybe had an affair with maybe she had an affair I don't know Maybe. I remember hearing the words like I'd ruin myself a million times and I'm like oh, to be that person that Taylor would ruin herself for like just take advantage of that like how dare you yeah I know, you know? like <gasps> whoever this song is about how dare you do this to Taylor Swift how dare you yeah. how dare you <laughs> first of all how dare you uh, I think we should talk about the one the opening song in the album I love this song um so funny my friend when she heard it was like oh my god like this is before she knew anything about the album any backstory any fantasy whatever and she was like oh my god this song is about her breaking up with joe this is the end and i was like (laughs) okay clearly you haven't done your research but i could see that like if you didn't know you know she's over here talking about how she's good and like how like she thought you were the one, but you weren't. And like, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, Taylor's empowered from the end of something. But that's when it goes back to like the, the fiction of the album. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, you I saw think- the, the show. So like, what did she say was the background? For song? So she didn't give a whole lot of background on this song. Um, you know, the song, the way I interpret this song, it's like kind of a regretful tone. But she sings it in a way that's that's pretty up tempo, so I think the song is describing something that coulda shoulda woulda been, mm-hmm. but she's okay with it. Like the opening right. lyrics are, "I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit." You know, she talks in the song about how she wonders, like, "What if? What would have happened if my wishes came true? It would have been you." But you know, she sounds a little sad and regretful about this. But not that sad. Like, she's doing good. She's on some new shit. Like, she's doing okay. But she's a little bit sad about this. I think the song is very much a one that got away song. Like, we all have that person in our lives. Like, oh, like, what if things would have happened this way instead of that way? What what would have happened? You know? And, like, towards the end of the song, you know, she says, or in the bridge, she sings, uh, persist and resist the temptation to ask you if one thing had been different would everything be different today? And I heard that and I was just like, ooh, that's a deep cut, Taylor. Like, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. <laughs> I dare say she's speaking about Calvin. Mm, I mean, okay. that's a relationship that I feel like ended because, you know, he was off doing his stuff. And mm-hmm. I think they just set, they went, you know, they grew apart. She met Joe blah 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 and Tom and the whole lot and like I do feel like there's that was her like most serious relationship they were together for two years and Mm -hmm. I do feel like there's some you know and like resisting the temptation to ask you like I bet there's so many times she like wants to talk to him and wants to you know like there could be some unresolved things there which is crazy yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I think that's that's a good theory for sure um the lyric roaring 20s tossing pennies in the pool I think that goes back to when she was in her 20s yes now she's in her 30s tossing Mm -hmm. pennies in the pool I I wonder what what that is from tossing pennies in a pool like a wishing well 
I mean, maybe it was, they went to parties. There were pool parties. I mean, remember when she was with Calvin, they were big on the Rhode Island scene. She had a pool at her Rhode Island house. And like, he was a part of like her 4th of July parties and like, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, but again, I love the symbolism where like, if you weren't paying attention, you'd be like, wow, she's talking about like the roaring twenties and you can get lost in the song. But as like any fan, you're like, no, 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 that means something else. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like the thing about this album that's so great is this is the first album that you can peel back layers and layers and layers of each song and still find something new. Mm-hmm. Um, more so than with Lover, more so than with 1989 and Reputation. Like this song is so deep. This album is so deep. And like you can interpret these songs in so many different ways. And I just love, I love speculating about all of these songs. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Talking about it. It's so great. Um, cool. So are there any other songs that that like jumped out at you or anything else that, you know, I think we've covered most of them. Well, it's funny that all of her albums end on some like chill, peaceful note. So like she ends this on peace and hoax, which peace again is the song going on about her having babies with Joe and his brother being her brother. And there was mention to his brother uh, in Lover. Um, mm-hmm. uh, painting, the, painting the walls blue. Yes. Blue. Yeah. Yes. So you're like, okay, we know this is about Joe. Mm-hmm. But I love that, like, she always ends every album. So it was interesting because, like, 1989 ended with Queen. Mm-hmm. And it almost felt like a you know, that was like her breakaway from Calvin. Like she's doing mm-hmm. good. She's moving on, blah, blah, blah. And then you have peace where it's like, oh, like she's genuinely happy. She's feeling some type of way. And then obviously she has the line, like there's robbers to the East, clowns to the West. And everyone mm-hmm. talked about how she capitalized West, AKA Kanye West, mm-hmm. her yeah. lyric. And they were like, she's clearly talking about that. <gasps> um, I didn't make that connection. That's oh yeah, one. people- immediately were like look at her lyrics because she made all immediately made all the lyric videos and in her lyric video west was capitalized and east was not so it was like huh yeah yeah robbers to the east clowns to the west yeah but she's like doesn't matter there's robbers scooter braun to the east Mm -hmm. clowns to the west he lives in cali also so it's like a double and i think scooter I don't know if he lives in New York. That's totally reaching, but, <laughs> but she's like, regardless, I don't care. Like I'm with you and like, I die for you. And it's like, Whoa. yeah. So this song, I think um, she was like describing it a bit more in one of the interviews she did. And I think the song basically means like she, as a person, as a celebrity, she always has people following her and paparazzi and the media and social media and all this stuff. Like she, her life is pretty crazy and I think the song is about um speaking to someone like speaking to her partner and saying like are you going to be okay with me because I can never give you a peaceful life like I can never like give you a calm regular go to the grocery store go to the post office take the kids to soccer practice regular basic traditional American life like her life is crazy and it always will be crazy So I think she's saying like, this is who I am. I will do all of these things for you, Um, you know, but can you handle the fact that if you stay with me, there's always going to be 
robbers to the east, clowns to the west. I'll give you my sunshine. I'll give you my best, but the rain is always going to come if you're standing with me. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a very like melancholy song. It's about like professing your love to someone, but then also realizing you kind of have like your Achilles heel is the mm-hmm. fact that you can never bring peace to this person. Right. Or the peace that you want for that person, you can never provide for that person. I love when she says, I would die for you in secret. Because again, going back to Joe, like their relationship's been very secret this whole time. So it's like, I would die for you in secret because people don't really know about us. And it's like, yeah, but like you just said, like she's saying all that, but at the same time is like, but if you want to stay with me, like I'm your ride or die. And it's like, I mean, who wouldn't want that? Especially yeah. Like, you know. Of course, yeah, and and the lyrics like the devil's in the details, but you got a friend in me. That's almost like she's saying like the devil's out there, bad shit's gonna happen, but you can trust me. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and then it with hoax, which I guess it can add hoax can add to my songs that I don't really like because it's so short too. It's mm. unfair to really give it too much hate. But yeah. I do feel like towards the end of every album she has, minus the lakes, which is a bop. But that was I a bonus the song. <laughs> right. Yeah. But otherwise, usually at the end of her albums are like very come to a close. Like you're not really getting bops at the end of the albums. You're just like, hey, I figured I would tie it up with this old bow. Like mm-hmm. it or don't. So Hoax is very like, like who is she? Like, you know, I left a part of me back in New York. You knew the hero died. So what's the movie for? You know, it still hurts underneath my scars from when they pulled me apart. You knew the password, so I let you in the door. Like, I think, again, she's talking about Joe, and it's just like, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know me, you know my history, you know all this shit, and like, yeah, you know. I think hoax is, I, I it's hard to kind of grasp this song, because um, hoax, when I hear the word hoax nowadays, it comes with political connotations. Mm. Think of, like, climate change hoax. And mm. the word hoax now, unfortunately, just brings like a negative feeling to me nowadays. Right. So this song, I think, is I, I can't figure it out. Like your faithless love is the only hoax that I believe in. Don't want no other shade of blue but you. No other sadness in the world would do. I think every time she's talking about blue, she's talking about Joe. Because right. the, the color blue comes up in a lot of her songs, like in the song Paper Rings from Lover. Right talking about painting the kitchen blue with your brother and in um you know the song peace if your ocean what's that blue and gold i feel like yeah mm -hmm. blue and gold yeah definitely blue and gold are really colors that are used to describe joe Mm -hmm. so with this song i can't really just figure it out it's like i don't want anybody else but you no other sadness in the world would do it's like your love brings me comfort but also some sadness um and I don't know why she says that (laughs) I know yeah it it's definitely interesting and like you said maybe it is political like I mean in lover I didn't realize that Miss Americana and the heartbreak prince like was about like Hillary Clinton running for president and like that whole thing and it's Mm -hmm. like wait what and when I listened to it again I was like shocked yeah. And I was like, wow, I had no idea, but it makes complete sense. That stuff's a little bit more in your face though. Like, yeah, you know, talking about American glory and like different things. It's like, I get it now, but hoax yeah. is definitely like, hmm. 
I think hoax is like, you're the only one for me. You're the only one that I want to be sad with. Right. Like, don't want no other shade of blue but you. Shade of blue being Joe, but shade of blue also being sadness and experiencing difficult things in life. So I think it's like, I don't want anybody else in this world to be sad with. Like, if I have to be sad, you're the person I want to be sad with. And when she says your faithless love's the only hoax I believe in, it's almost like saying, like, she doesn't believe in his love, but she does. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like he loves her for her. And it's kind of, you know, shocking to her, but she believes in it, even though, you know, she might have thought it wasn't real in the beginning. Yeah, maybe that's like a tongue-in-cheek thing. Like when people say nowadays, oh, it's a hoax, a lot of people think, well, if you believe in hoaxes, like what else do you believe in? Like when I hear people say, oh, there's climate change is a hoax. It's like, that's ridiculous. Why would you say that? So maybe it's almost like a tongue-in-cheek way of using the word here. It's like your faithless love is the only hoax that I believe in. Meaning she doesn't believe in it or she does believe in it yeah i'm confused by the song <laughs> i know it's very end of album song where you're like okay i i am exhausted at this point i just went through your whole album in, in my feelings knee deep in the symbology and now you end with this and i'm like yeah. uh, you know like yeah. yeah i think i think the takeaway from this song is you're the only person that i would want to do this with but then it says uh you knew you won, so what's the point of keeping score? You knew it still hurts underneath my scars from when they pulled me apart, but what you did was just as dark. Darling, this was just as hard as when they pulled me apart. Hmm. Maybe it's not about Joe if it's very confusing. Like, who is she talking about? Scooter again? Like, maybe. Like, Joe didn't do anything dark. That, that we know about. <laughs> Yeah. It, this has got to be some some deep-seated anger or argument or I think it's like you did this thing it was really bad but you're the only one for me. I don't want no other shade of blue but you. Yeah, well, I think I'm like totally like going to read every internet article about the song now cuz I still don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm going to look at the trilogy because I need to know I need to know the officials before I move on to a new album to uh deep dive into i need to be like okay what was each what was the trilogy betty august and uh cardigan definitely definitely oh it's so good yeah well we have a whole nother album to discuss in the next few weeks so we can get into we can finish listening to folklore we can start diving into evermore Uh, i'm very excited that it's coming out this weekend taylor actually said this was her birthday gift to her fans because it's taylor's birthday on sunday so I'm pretty excited for this album. So selfless. So selfless. She really is. She's so kind. <laughs> also turning 31. I mean, I guess it's hard to believe because again, I'm turning 31. So I'm like, oh my God, Taylor, where did the time go? Like she's been doing this for since she was what 15? Yeah. 15 years now. She's had this career. What have oh. I been doing my entire life? Oh. We've been talking for a long time. So thank you yeah. so much for coming on my podcast. We'll just wrap things up here. Um, thanks everybody for listening to our podcast this was part two of our folklore deep dive on the fangirl podcast Uh, if you like what you heard rate review subscribe on apple podcasts 
You can find us on Spotify, on Anchor, hit subscribe. I'm trying to release episodes twice a month and I have a lot of other artists that I want to cover. We're going to cover Mariah Carey. I want to do an episode on Alanis Morissette, probably another episode on Taylor Swift. Um, I want to do Missy Elliott. I want to do Beyonce, Casey Musgraves. I mean, Dolly Parton. We've got a lot more in the pipeline. So stay tuned. You can find us on Instagram at the Fangirl Podcast and on Twitter at the Fangirl Pod. And Ryan, thanks so much for being on my show. This was really fun. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) 